Well, welcome to Pet Chat on a Wednesday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Kimberly Earl and Cheryl Shaw. Good afternoon to both of you. Good, good afternoon. afternoon. How are we both today? Pretty good. That's Looking good. forward to the show? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Very good. What have you got planned for us today? Uh, well, we are going to talk about rabbit calici virus or rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus because there's a big, um, a new release of uh, the virus in Australia from, from CSIRO over the last week and, and continuing this month. So we'll talk about that. Very good. And, and I'll be talking with Pam from Delta Therapy um, Dogs and we're going to be brightening up the lives of others in the community and how you can get involved with your dog. Now, first today we're talking to Pam Withers from the Delta Society. Hi Pam, are you there? Yeah, hi Cheryl. Yes, I am here. That's wonderful. Oh, firstly, congratulations on being awarded the Volunteer of the Year. That's wonderful news. Oh, thanks Cheryl. It was a big surprise. Ah. Now, you're the coordinator for the Hunter Newcastle branch of Delta Society. Can you explain what the role of the therapy dogs are in, in the society? Yeah, um, our therapy dogs are known as ADJAC therapy, where we go around and we visit nursing homes drug, alcohol, rehabilitation centres, schools uh, and libraries where we're helping the children learn to read. And uh, we also have a new program too, it's called Pause for Pressure, where we go into um, your workplace or the university and uh, in the university we go just before exam time to help the the students relax because a lot of of them uh, live away from home and they're missing their dogs, so that's a little bit more stress on them. So... We try to relieve the stress there and, of course, in the workplace, there's always stress in the workplace. That's for sure. Now, pet therapy is certainly well documented and we know there are many health benefits spending time with dogs, but what um, what criteria do you look for in a dog when you're selecting? Okay, yeah, we, ne- we need a dog that is 18 months of age or 10 or under, be of sound and good health and have a nice personality um, and it's eager to, to meet people. Um, that's that's one of the, the biggest things. They only have to be um, domesticated obedience. We, we don't um, look for anything really, really great, like um, taking the shoes off the people or, or hanging their, um, finding their keys and things like that. It's just that uh, we're a warm and fuzzy type of um, therapy where we, we solicit pats. Yeah, so a pat and a chat, really. Yeah, pat in the chat. That's that's a good one. Yeah, yep. pat in the chat. <laughs> okay. And how often do people go, or these volunteers with their dogs go to um, to visit? Well, once a week, preferably, but once a fortnight at the very least, and uh, where they spend about an hour to an hour and a half. And I try to get them as close as I can to where they live because it's no use travelling two hours to do an hour and a half visit there and another two hours back. So that's four hours of travelling just to do one hour of um, visiting. So how would somebody, if they thought they had the right type of dog or the right temperament, how would they go about um, becoming a volunteer? Well, so they went on to www.deltasociety.com.au, go up to volunteering and then click on that and then click on the um, therapy dog program and we have an online application form and it's just a series of questions and then the um, the application form will come straight over over to me, and then um, I'll allot them uh, a time. We are having an assessment on the um, uh, the twenty twenty fourth of June. It's either twenty second or the twenty fourth. I'm getting them mixed up today. We've got um, 
uh, Tuesdays happening to me. I'm confused on which days on the Saturday. <laughs> That's fine. But obviously, that will be on the website for somebody to have a look. And, and Pam, yeah, this is yeah. a really rewarding program. Um, I know from a personal level, I actually support, um, or um, I have a, a sponsor dog named Harley, a standard poodle that you know. Yeah. And I've been out to watch him work, and it's just amazing with, with him and his owner, Margaret. It's really, really wonderful. So I really urge people, if they do have a dog that they feel has the temperament and they've got the time to give up, to certainly contact you and um, and go on your program. It's really wonderful. I yeah, know that yeah, you're having yeah. another day come up too. You've got some special day. What's that all about? We certainly have. We've got a fundraising um, dog walk and market day down at Crowders Bay on um, April the 2nd. And um, It's trying to raise funds for uh, to, to get 20 new volunteers as we receive no government support, we have to make our own um, funding. So um, the dog, the uh, registrations, you can either go online to stickytickets.com.au or you can register at 9 o'clock on the day. Uh, the cost is $10 for the first dog, uh, $15 for the second, uh, $20 for three or more. And, that, and at, on the market day, there's market stalls, food and drink stalls, agility demonstrations, the PCYC band will be playing. The Caligans uh, College puppets will be amongst the crown, and there's a fantastic silent auction and raffles uh, going. And there's also, of course, um, best dress, best dress, best look alike, best trick uh, um, prizes for the dogs. Oh, that so sounds. All in all, yeah, that yeah, sounds so really great. All yeah, yeah, and uh, all in all, it's a good day out for the family, and um, and it's a healthy day too. It's not a long walk; it's only about two kilometres. Or if that's too strong for you, you can um, uh, cut off and come back whenever you feel like it. Oh well, I wish you all the best with that, Pam, and I hope the day is a real success. Thank you very much. Okay. And thank you. For... Bye. Bye. And Kimball, you mentioned at the top rabbits. Yeah, rabbit. So um, it's been pretty well publicised. I'm sure a lot of people are aware that uh, we've released or uh, the Australian government or CSIRO has released a new variant of rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus. Or it's commonly known as rabbit Khaleesi virus. So this is an attempt to control the feral rabbit populations because, uh, you know, as we everybody knows, you've got a pretty significant problem in, in the country with uh, feral rabbits. But it there's obviously quite has... quite a few around here, just quietly. But... There's quite a few, yeah. There's quite a few around everywhere. Um it, it has some implications for pet rabbits as well, and that's why we were trying to um, raise awareness. And I think they've done a pretty good job this time around of um, publicising it. We've had certainly a, um, a good uptake of people coming in. Um, but essentially the, the key is for rabbits that are pets, we really want to make sure that we're vaccinating them with the um, registered vaccine that's available in Australia. It's the only thing we can vaccinate rabbits uh, for in Australia. There's no myxomatosis vaccine. This is another um, biological agent that, that you know, the government has used to try to control rabbit populations and although there's a um, vaccine in other countries of the world, Australia doesn't have a mix or um, vaccine but we do have an effective Khaleesi virus vaccine so just want to clear up some of the information, there's a lot of different um, rumours and, and things circulating about the new variants and the vaccination um, efficacy and essentially there's four um, Khaleesi viruses or, or rabbit hemorrhagic disease viruses that are uh, important in Australia at the moment so the first one is the original virus that was released uh, back in 1995. Then a new strain, which they call the 1A strain. So the first one is the 1. Uh, 1A was identified in 2014 in Sydney, and it hasn't had much of an implication. It hasn't caused too much dramas. 
Um, rabbit virus V2 is a wild type strain that's come out of China and entered Australia um, naturally and has been causing quite a lot of problems throughout Australia. So particularly in South Australia, but we've certainly seen it in Victoria and in New South Wales. And this is the one where our vaccine, it is quite a different variant and our vaccine is not as protective, but probably um, still gives some protection. And it's one of the reasons why we have altered our um, vaccination schedule recommendations, so which we'll talk about in a minute. And then the one that they've released is now is what they call the K um, variant. So this is a Korean variant that they've um, brought and purposefully released. And our vaccine is actually still quite good at giving protection against that. So um, really important for, for people to be aware that although it's not perfect and we have changed our vaccination recommendations from annually for adult ra rabbits to six monthly, um, part of that is because of the, the wild type, this variant two that's come out of China that we're trying to protect these wild, these rabbits from our pet rabbits from this wild strain. So the released strain, we're actually going to still get quite good protection from, um, but we are recommending six monthly vaccinations for adult rabbits. So for rabbit kits, start Starting from four weeks of age, we want them vaccinated every four weeks until they're 12. So they're going to get a four-week, eight-week, 12-week vaccination, and then every six monthly thereafter. For adult rabbits, if they haven't been vaccinated previously, we're going to vaccinate them once with a booster, then in four weeks, and then six monthly thereafter. And if your rabbit has had a vaccination in the last 12 months, then we would just move then to a six-monthly vaccination booster. Okay, and if you don't? If you don't. So it's pretty contagious and it's pretty widespread. So it can be um, transmitted directly from rabbit to rabbit contact. So if you're near any reserves or bush or just you happen to know that there's rabbits around you, um, direct contact, but also aerosolization. So um, if they can sneeze at each other through a fence, if they can look at each other, probably you don't want to have that. And then we know that we can get what we call fomite or um, vector transmission. So they've actually detected particularly this um, this Chinese natural strain um, if a fly goes and eats some rabbit poo that's infected and then they fly into your backyard and they poop on a piece of grass that you then cut and give to your rabbit, that fly poop, they've actually identified um, active Khaleesi virus in that little dot of fly poop. So um, it is quite contagious and um, flies and mosquitoes and other arthropod vectors, so such things as fleas and things like that can transmit this virus. So it is pretty contagious. Um, we are recommending people do things like try to use mosquito netting. So if your rabbits are outside, they're going to be more at risk than inside rabbits. So use good mosquito netting. Uh, try to avoid them being outside uh, during the sort of dawn and dusk hours, which, you know, where you're going to find your mosquitoes are heaviest. Um, keeping them inside ideally would be would be helpful but you still have to be you know mindful of mosquitoes in the house um washing grass if you're cutting rabbits you know grass for your rabbits which we do recommend grass grass is good for rabbits but if you're cutting it from outside take it home and wash it off you don't have to disinfect it somebody called the other day to see if they had to disinfect their grass but even if you wash it yep. flick it off or, or dry it off and then give it to your rabbits that will be helpful as well I'm just imagining someone putting grass in a washing machine or in something. No, I, I would just, you know, like you do lettuce, right? Fill a sink and wash it around to there and then take it back outside, give it a flick, um, get most of the water off of it, yeah. And we've got David on the line from Waratah and he's just brought a rabbit to eat from the supermarket. I think he's a bit concerned about the virus. <laughs> Hi, David. How can I help? Just 
I'm good, thanks. Just what that bloke said. Yeah. I'm worried about eating it. So, so the good news is that uh, rabbit calisi virus poses no threat to human health whatsoever. Okay. Oh, so this sorry. is just a rabbit a rabbit disease. You don't have to worry about it. Rabbits and hares, but um, you yep. won't won't have got a hare from the supermarket. Uh, it's right. also different to the cat calisi virus, so it doesn't pose any danger to cats as well because it's you know similar family of viruses, but it's quite a different one. So your rabbit should be absolutely fine. There won't be any problem with that. Okay, thank you. No worries. No worries, Bye. David. He'll be having lamb stew tonight, I'm sure. <laughs> no, rabbit, rabbit stew. Rabbit stew. Rabbit stew, rabbit stew tonight. having lamb as well. <laughs> Can lambs get the virus? No, no lambs. Just oh. just rabbits. <laughs> there you go. We've got Meryl on the line now from Bula Dela, and she's got looking for a home for a dog. Yes, that's right. Hi, Meryl. So you, it says that you're looking for a dog, uh, a home for your son's dog. Yes, yes. No, my son um, works fly-in, fly-out to Darwin. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, so I've sort of had to take over um, his Looking dog. Looking after the dog, yep. Um, and I'm not able to keep her, unfortunately. Mm, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you probably want to look at um, contacting one of the local rescue groups mm, if you can. I've um, done that, yes. They're inundated. They're just, they have so many... It is. It's dogs. a really hard thing. What kind of what kind of dog has your son got? Uh, she's a staffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, six. She'll be seven in November. Yep. Um, she's actually been a family member ever since a puppy, so this is very, very sad. Yeah. Um, she is quite well trained, um, but would need to be just in a one dog, you know, Mm. Uh, only family. only fat situation. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, it is hard. The the rescue groups are really are really quite full, and um, as I suspect is the you know RSPCA and things like that. Your your best bet probably is to look at various different social media outlets. Mm, um. You know, yeah, and and see yeah. if you can um try to advertise her there or um things like that. Um. Certainly references from friends. Um, you know, see if you can if find a, a local home for her. And there may be a staffy rescue group that you can um, look at even um, even sort of interstate sometimes. You, online you can often find, um, you know, rescue groups a little bit further away. And, and quite frequently people are willing to travel, you know, distances to get them. So for the right patient, right, um, right person. So it's a hard thing. It's, it's one of the things we yeah. battle with, yeah. Yeah, no, good luck. I hope bad. you find uh, some someone suitable, a family suitable for her. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, bye. It is Pet Chat on 2 and you are family. If you've got any questions, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Neil from Jules, and he's going to be concerned about rabbits when the hay is feeding them. Hi, Neil. Oh, hi. So you've got um, rabbits. So you're buying um, hay from a, a produce store or something like that? Oh, it was a produce store, but yep. now we're buying it straight from the um, producer, the, the, yeah. the farm. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure he grows it up near Morpeth there. Yeah. So the... Um I guess you, you couldn't be 100% certain that there's no, you know, a similar situation to what we were talking about before with the grass, that the, you know, flies landed on it and, and you know, pooped there and things like that. Yes. Um, probably hay is a little bit less, you know, it's dried, so it's probably going to be slightly less, um, uh, I mean, you're not going to get that many flies near it. There's not anything sort of fresh around it, provided it's not moldy. Um, and obviously you can't wash hay in the same way. I guess no. I would be more concerned about, you know, getting it and then trying to keep it, um, you know, maybe in a closed bin where they hasn't got access to, you know, new flies coming around. Um, so, you know, once, once you've got it, maybe stick it into a, um, a plastic, you know, covered bin or a, um, a, a plastic right. top rubbish bin, that sort of thing for, from a storage sort of standpoint so that you're not getting extra, uh, 
um, access there and, and other bugs and things. Um, you know, rabbits, they need hay. They, they need it to survive. And unless you're, um, you know, buying packaged hay, um, you know, some of the, the rabbit food companies will su- supply it stored in a plastic bag and that would be safe but if you've got lots of rabbits or if they're eating a good quantity of hay that can get um, challenging to, to buy it that way so um, you know I think just do the best you can and if you can get your rabbits make sure they're up to date with their vaccinations because that's really going to be the best way of preventing them from yeah, getting we, any problems. Yeah we do that. We Great. had one of them just died recently. Has it? Yeah. He died unexpectedly like okay. he was uh, sort of a bit puffy for about two or three days and then he um, yep. just Yes. Did he have, did he have swollen um, swollen eyes and things like that? No, no, he didn't no. have any signs of um, mixo. Mixo, or good. Like okay, yeah. No, he had no symptoms. Uh, just a bit went a bit off colour. Yeah. Like he puffed up a bit, like you know, like a bird in a cage when they get a yeah. bit sick and they puff yeah. up. He looked a bit like that, and he okay. wasn't his usual chirpy self. And yeah, about three days, and he yeah just up and died. Yeah, in yeah. I mean, it can be a lot of things. And if he's vaccinated, hopefully it wasn't Khaleesi. I think mm. if you have any more, um, ideally get them up to your vet um, while they're sick, or even once they've passed away, maybe um, look at having a post mortem done. You can get testing yeah, um, done, and I heaven. Yeah, yeah. If if you have any more done, yeah, um, you can get. There is some funding, I think, for testing um, for these guys oh, okay. to, to determine whether it is the new variant that they've um, released. Things like that. So it's worthwhile getting them up to your local vet um, if you get any more that are sick. But I mean, rabbits gut stasis. You can have lots of different things that will go wrong that can be completely unrelated to Khaleesi as well. So yeah, there were a lot of things that could have been from my diagnosis. Yeah. Do you know if the government's subsidising people who own pet rabbits for this? I mean, they did release the thing, and next thing we've all got to pay for um, vaccination. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think because this is a fairly similar strain to what we've had around for the last 20-odd years, I think it's unlikely. But I know that there is some, or I've, I'm, my understanding is that there is some testing available, which is probably, you know, for rabbits that become ill, um, that is probably uh, at no charge. But, um, no, well, I don't believe there's any subsidy program. It's, um, you know, rabbits are considered a pest species, and um, the the government's line typically has been that we're, we're privileged to be allowed to own them in New South Wales. You know, if you look at right. Queensland, they're not allowed to own them. Mm. Um, it's just, you know, you're not allowed to have them. It's a prosecutable offence. So um, I think that it's sort of, you know, buyer beware. If, if you're going to have them, this is a risk that you have, and yeah. um, they've given us the option to protect them with the vaccine, but um, there's no subsidy other than that. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Yeah, Good luck great. with that. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gee, thanks, Neil. We've got Margaret from Aberdare, and her dog might have some allergies. Hi, Margaret. Yeah, hi. Yes, I'm from Aberdare. I have a little um, Shih Tzu Maltese cross little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she's eight-year-old. Now, she's been on Phenomav tablets um, probably since she was about 18 months old for mm-hmm. seizures. Yep. And that does control it well. Good. Um, but we're having problems with the allergy now. This has been going on for about 12 months now. Mm-hmm. So the things that we have tried is the um, Apoquil mm-hmm. tablet. Yep. And that didn't do anything. Okay. Um, she's been on, had those Ryexine yes. tablets. Yes. And then we tried the dog allergenic biscuits and took her off everything for yeah. six weeks. Okay, good. Um, to see if it was food allergy. Yep. Um, that didn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what she does, she constantly licks herself yep. and she, she attacks herself like something 
biting is biting her. Okay. Um, she can be sound asleep even and all of a sudden she'll jump up and bite her back mm. and there's nothing near. Um, she does have her, it's not fleas. Um, mm. She's treated with the um, comforters every four weeks. Good. So um, whether she's becoming, you know, too used to that or not, I don't know. But at this very moment, um, we've been giving her prednal tablets. Yes, yep. Um, and that helps just a little, a little bit, yeah. but as soon as you stop taking it, the problem comes big. back. Yeah, it it sounds like your vets, um, you know, tried a lot of different things, and and certainly allergy cases are really frustrating, and they're um, they're never quick to resolve, and they can be really challenging. I would encourage you, you know, you've you've done a lot of all the right things, the food trials, and um, she's had antibiotic courses and Apoquil things like that. Um, I would really, if you can, look at getting her to a dermatology specialist. She may be one of these dogs that's got a really unusual thing that uh, a general practitioner vet is just not going to get to the bottom of um, mm. and they, they can you know obviously it's a specialist it can um, be expensive but you know you, you're trying a lot of other expensive things as well um, that yeah. aren't working and obviously her quality of life is being affected so um, you know have a chat to your to your vet and see certainly in our area we do have a local specialist nearby there's other um, dermatology specialists in Sydney um, it's well worthwhile a visit if you've tried all those sorts of things and not getting a good response is there one sort of close to Newcastle is there there is yeah we have a um, there's a specialist um, out of uh, Broadmeadow the, the um, AREC in, in Broadmeadow who's up she comes up weekly I believe so you'd have to check um, with them what her uh, days are but she'd be able to get an you'd be able to get an appointment but it's through referral from your vet so they need to have history from your vet things like that oh yes definitely yeah definitely. okay yes if we had spoken about that but yeah. um, Speaking about somewhere in Ryde in Sydney. Okay. But, yeah. Um, and you know we are on a pension, and yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is costing us a lot of money. But I mean, you know, she's our baby, and she, she's the only little dog we've ever yeah. had. And we, you know, we're seventy years old now, so yeah, um, it's challenging. Yeah, it, it, it's very challenging, and I just um, I know it's going to be very, very expensive there, and that's not easy. Mm, yeah, um, that's right. I don't know if there's any subsidies anywhere that can help us. You may be, you may be able to speak to speak to them about um, third party financing. There there aren't subsidies, unfortunately. Our veterinary matters are there's no you know sort of subsidies for that kind of thing. But um, third party financing that allows you to pay it off at um, you know over a period of time is is certainly available and might be um, might be useful for you. What was the name of the place at Broadmeadow? Do I can speak to my vet about Animal Referral and Emergency Centre? Yeah, yeah, but they have they have referral veterinaries um, functioning out of there now as well. Right. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. No worries. You're very welcome. Good luck. Thank you. Bye bye. Just thanks, Margaret. It's Guarding Talk back on to when you are FM. It's pet chat. No, it's pet chat, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Thanks for cutting me off. I usually cut myself off before I. But this time we're in straight through with you it. You just love gardens and pets. It's. I get confused. You do. I'm a simple little person. Oh come on, Greg. <laughs> Carolyn from Caves Beach. And her chooks eating mushrooms in a garden. Hi, Carolyn. That's r- Hi, how are you? Not too bad at all. So we've had a lot of wet weather, mushrooms growing up everywhere, and your chooks are enjoying them, are they? They certainly are. But I've also, I've, I have about a dozen eggs from them, and I wondered, can it be transferred into the eggs, and are they edible, the eggs? 
I wouldn't think there'd be any problems. If the, if the chooks are happily eating the mushrooms and haven't gotten sick, um, there really shouldn't be anything, you know, that goes into the eggs that would be a problem. Yeah, I wouldn't think there would be a problem with that there at all. There wouldn't be a problem. No. Well, they're, they're, so, they're certainly not sick. Okay. But I let them wander around the garden, and as I said, you know they've eaten all that's uh, yeah. all the mushrooms that have come up. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fine. That's just that's what I wanted to know. I wasn't sure whether or not we could eat the eggs from them. Yeah, I don't think it'd be a problem to eat the eggs. I wouldn't recommend eating the mushrooms yourself. Um, we no. do we do get some dogs that will go th- you know go through and eat a crop of mushrooms and get quite a bad belly ache for a few days. Um, but if all the right. chooks are fine, there won't be anything. They'll just be using the energy that they're getting out of the um, mushrooms to put into the eggs, but they shouldn't be putting anything from the mushrooms directly into the eggs. So it should be fine. Thank you very much. You're for that. very welcome. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers, Carolyn. We've got Megan now from Brankston, and she's got a question about a dog. Hi, Megan. Oh, yes. Hi. Hi, sorry, I'm on my Bluetooth on my phone, but um, I hope you can hear me all right. So far, um, so I just good. Wanted to find it, uh, I just wanted to find out, My, I was listening to the lady who was talking about allergies for her dog, and I, my dog has um, like a dermatitis at the moment on his skin, and I thought it was due to the hot and humid weather and things. Yep. He's sort of a Labrador cross collie, so, mm-hmm. um, and he's got black skin, so he gets quite hot. Um, easily and finds it hard to cool down. Yes. Um, he's. I've been using like a, a dermatitis wash or yep. the ones with the um, antibacterial and things in it. Um, and it sort of seemed to work okay. He was treated with antibiotics from the vet as well. Yeah. Um, but it seems to have flared up again. And I'm just wondering, um, is it worth looking at sort of like perhaps food triggers or do you think it just is possibly just the weather and it it could be yeah, it could be either. So we certainly, depending on your dog and the age and things of your dog, um, allergic skin disease is really, really common in dogs and tends to come up in dogs between three and five years of age. But sometimes we see them as young as, you know, 10, 11 months. And sometimes we don't see them start until they're seven or eight years of age. So um, I, I think it's always worthwhile if you've had it treated uh, by your vet and it's flared back up, it's worthwhile a recheck because sometimes it's just that we, you know, maybe didn't treat for quite long enough. I often find bacterial skin infections will get back you know we put them on antibiotics they do a 10 or 14 day course of antibiotics and the dogs back to 95 percent but then when we stop they start to flare up again relatively quickly and that's not necessarily that we've had a failure maybe just that we haven't treated for long enough um, but if it is something that's recurrent, and I usually consider recurrent to be, you know, sort of three, three or more times in a 12 month period of time, then we do really want to start looking at allergic disease triggers. So, um, absolutely flea allergy dermatitis is very, very common. Food allergies usually come out in the skin in dogs, and that usually looks like a recurrent infection on the skin, ears, feet sometimes. And then atopic dermatitis is really, um, probably the, the most common one we see which is like hay fever so humans get hay fever it comes out in their respiratory tract um, and it might be pollens or grasses or dust mites in dogs it comes out in the skin so if it's happening more frequently um, or you're not getting it under control then we need to go back to your vet righty thanks for that megan i'm sorry but we've run out of time guys run out of time no worries no worries well look forward to seeing you two next week yes Mm, i'll be back in a few weeks yep i'm on all right cheryl's on and kimberly's off Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. 
Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.